The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio Show. Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management has offices in Bend, Eugene, and John Day, serving clients from all over the Northwest. Give us a call today for your free retirement review. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he's Josh Finelli, and we are partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend uh, on this beautiful spring weekend here in the Pacific Northwest. It's finally spring. Uh, this comes from, I'm not even sure who this, Harold Malmgren. This is pretty funny. Josh sent this to me on Twitter. Uh, so many daily warnings, and this is a, a quote from this guy. Uh, so many daily warnings of the dollar's collapse. Mainstream media tells us foreign governments rushing to unload dollars that they hold. But Treasury auctioned $40 billion in Treasury paper today. Uh, and 75% of that was taken up by foreign institutions, the highest foreign share ever. So I know this is what the, the, it's always funny, like politicians, they never let the truth get in the way of a good story. It's just like it's unbelievable how they just don't care about the truth. They just want it to fit their narrative. And, it, you know, so what's been crazy as of late is there's just been so much talk on both sides of the aisle, mind you, uh, about the demise of the dollar and, you know, how we're not going to be the reserve currency of the world. But the behavior of markets right now are such that we are more the center of the universe than we've ever been. And so uh, it's funny. The narrative is exactly opposite of the behavior of actual markets. But foreigners are buying uh, treasuries, which almost dollar-denominated treasuries. Almost three-quarters of all issuance. This is an update from a statistic we uh, put on the show a couple weeks ago where it was 70%. So it's gone up uh, over the last couple weekly auctions. And when you hear news about the BRICS countries gathering in South Africa, and that alarms you, remember, South Africa is a place that has power for three or four hours a day by mandate of the government in, uh, in real cities. So it's not, this isn't something that should alarm you. Of course, you know, when you think about what's going on in Washington and so, sort of the utter stupidity that uh, has emerged from the partisan framework there, that should alarm you because it's shooting ourselves in the foot ultimately and, and eroding our own competitive advantage. But we are the ones that are going to do that, not, not elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's not the, we're we're killing ourselves from within, unfortunately, uh, because politicians are so selfish and so self-centered. And the idea that these people are actually uh, looking out for your best interests is laughable. But ultimately, uh, you know, right now, financially, we are the we are the center of the the universe because uh, you know when when foreign governments and foreign institutions are buying U.S. Treasuries, that means they have faith in the dollar uh, as the reserve currency in the world. And when you look at most transactions. How are they trans around the world? They're transaction uh, transacted with the dollar as the peg, and so that I mean, are you you think the ruble is going to be the peg, or the yuan, or the yen, or any of these other currencies are going to be the peg that we trade global global you know everything in? Is it, laughable to me? So, uh, and then here's another thing before we talk about the case for international investing. Um, I looked at the top ten holdings of the S and P five hundred. Uh, every five years going back to 1980, so 80, 85, 80, 1990, 95. And it's really funny. You know, usually a company will hold the top spot for 15 years, top two or three spots for 15 years, um, and then slowly make their way out of it. Um, you know, in the early 80s, up until 1990, IBM held the top spot. And then it, then obviously General Electric came in, uh, then ExxonMobil. And a, a, Apple's been up there uh, most recently. But what's astounding is when you look at um, prior to 2023, um, the biggest allocation any stock had when it was the biggest company in the world was 3.2%. Um, and now Apple makes up 7.2% of the S&P 500. When you look at Apple and Microsoft combined, the two biggest companies in the world, they are 14% 
of the S&P 500. Remember, it's the 500 biggest companies in the world, and it's a market cap weighted index. Uh, but two companies make up 14% of that index. It's probably it's a good segue into international stocks because this week, you know, Apple has been done very, very well on a relative basis uh, so far in 2023. Uh, the capital market capitalization of Apple actually exceeds that of the third largest stock market in the world, which is the FTSE 100 in, in the United Kingdom at about 2.6 trillion. Total market capitalization for the British stock market uh, is smaller than Apple. It, it gives you an idea of relative scale. So let's talk about international. The, the, the case right now, especially for international investing, I mean, it has been a dog relative to the U.S. I mean, the only thing you had to do in, in the last 12, 15 years in, in the U.S. stock market was to own U.S. large cap stocks. That was how you won. And it was very easy. You know, you could have just bought a market cap weighted index like the S&P and just sit there and let it do its thing. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the dramatic outperformance of the U.S. relative to the rest of the world over the last 15 years, we get we know about this thing in investing called the reversion to the mean. And so just if you think about the reversion to the mean, forgetting out of the other things, that's the biggest case in my mind for, for international investing. But, Josh, why don't you go through similar periods to like the one we're going through now uh, and why international in our mind is, is you know, a good – a good diversifier, if, to say the least. In relatively recent re history, there's three key periods here. There's the early 1970s, the 1980s, and the early 2000s. And if you were to look at a, a chart comparing a bar chart comparing the two, in the early 1970s, the world x the United States, so world stock markets, not including the United States, tripled the performance of the S&P 500 from 70 to 78 uh, during the first r real bout of inflationary pressure in the United States. Uh, the world XUS was up 153% versus 49% for the S&P 500. Uh, in the early 1980s, the same was true. And then importantly, in the early 2000s, uh, 2000 to 2007, the S&P 500 was only up 14%. The world XUS was up 64%. So uh, when you look at that data, it's really clear that these periods last for close to a decade or even more in some instances, especially the further, you ba further back you drag it. But uh, we really understand the case for a lot of people out there that say, oh, well, the S&P 500 gets, you know, X 40 percent of its revenue from outside the United States. Why do I even need to own international business? But the starting point for us, I think, is valuation. And when you look at the U.S. market relative to international stocks, uh, the valuation internationally is so much cheaper, and I think a lot of people would be astounded to hear that even over the last year, uh, international stocks, you know, the MSCI All World, XUS being up north of 11 or 12 percent relative to the S&P, uh, which is essentially flat, uh, you've seen really dramatic outperformance here just trailing one year. Yeah, I mean, so if you look, I think the outperformance, maybe a longer duration outperformance of, of international uh, stocks, especially international developed, started probably in 2022. Only time will tell. Uh, but you know, we have relatively dramatic, about six percent outperformance since the start of the bear market around the world. And yes, they are still negative, but it's all a relative game. The other thing, when you think about investing internationally as a U.S. investor. Um, from a diversification standpoint, not only are you getting diversification of owning businesses outside of the United States, uh, but you get the currency uh, factor in there as well. And so if you think about the U.S. dollar against other currencies, as the dollar trades, um, you're getting the movement of the dollar against those currencies as well as, a, as a, another additional diversifier. So the example is, you know, you buy Toyota, let's say, on the Toyota Stock Exchange in one of your international investments, um, and the dollar moves against the yen one way or another, and, and the price of Toyota Motors doesn't move, you're going to get just the price action of the dollar moving against the yen uh, from, a, from a diversification standpoint. So really important to think about it, not only in terms of like reversion to the mean, international stocks are a lot cheaper than the U.S. on a relative basis. We've had dramatic outperformance for almost the longest period of time we've ever seen. And so that reversion to the mean is the reason we are not going to give up. And when we do our free retirement views, Josh and I look at a lot of different portfolios. Almost none of you listening have any meaningful domestic or, or sorry, meaningful um, developed international exposure in your portfolio. And remember, 
Two-thirds of the market capitalization of the world stock market exists outside of the United States, and it's hard to ignore it. Some great, great businesses exist outside the United States. Up until 2012, when the U.S. stock market disconnected from international stocks, U.S. stock performance annualized from 1970 was 9.7%. International stocks did 9.6% up until 2012. 2012, or 2012 was really where the divergence started, and we're maybe at the beginning of a mean reversion here. All right. If you'd like to take one of us up on a free retirement review, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable dollars, call the office to get it scheduled, 800-743-0988, or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, Washington Trust Bank, can't is a four-letter word. I think we should hire more people. It's up. I'm late for a meeting. I'm thinking of starting my own practice. Ooh, do it. Too much capital. We need a warehouse. I can't imagine how we do that. We should knock that wall down and expand. Can't do it. There's always another wall beyond the wall. Washington Trust Bank. We believe you can do whatever you set your mind to, and we'll help you get there. Visit watrust.com to get started. Washington Trust Bank. Member FDIC. You can't usually spot cancer yourself. That's what makes melanoma different. It stands out. Melanoma is the skin cancer you can spot with your own eyes. I'm Dr. Sansi Leachman, and studies show the survival rate for melanoma is 99% when treated early. Melanoma stands out. You could spot cancer. Don't wait another day. Learn more at StartSeeingMelanoma.com. That's StartSeeingMelanoma.com. Today, I'll get a workout in at the fitness center. Tomorrow, maybe some rafting on the Deschutes River. Or I could go for a swim and spend the afternoon by the pool. It's pretty easy to fill your calendar when you live the life you love at Stonebriar. Walk the nature trails at Pilot Butte, or maybe give Tracy a call. We can go shopping in Bend on Saturday. Sunday, read a book on the deck. And after an active day outside, you come home to gorgeous resort-style one, two, or three-bedroom apartments with cook's kitchens, spacious bath, full-size washer and dryers, computer labs with free internet, covered parking, and... My fur babies. Pets allowed. Stonebriar is currently accepting applications. Their beautiful landscape grounds feature two clubhouses and are on Highway 20 near 27th and Bend. Google Stonebriar Apartments for details. Stonebriar, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. Stonebriar Apartments. The best of resort living. Two of the 80s biggest acts. Great White, Slaughter, together, live. Come on now, rock me, rock me. Great White, Slaughter. Saturday, June 10th, Indian Head Casino. Tickets are on sale now at IndianHeadCasino.com or at the Indian Head Casino box office. Great White, Slaughter, together. Welcomed by Indian Head Casino. Two of the 80s biggest acts. Great White, Slaughter, together, live. Come on now, me, Great White, Slaughter. Saturday, June 10th, Indian Head Casino. Tickets are on sale now at IndianHeadCasino.com or at the Indian Head Casino box office. Great White, Slaughter, together. Welcomed by Indian Head Casino. Financial Focus Radio Show is online all the time. 
via iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. Catch past shows online or by finding us on iTunes. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. That uh, that guy over there, he's Josh Finelli, and my name is Tyler Simonis, and we are both partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend uh, listening to our little radio show. If you'd like to be part of it, have a question for us or a comment, call us, 877-670-7117. So Josh sent me this from Twitter. Uh, uh, It's from the Twilio conference call. They reported earnings last week. Uh, And uh, one of the software analysts asked the CEO, he said, "Uh, you've laid off 30% of your workforce. How much did that impact uh, your growth rate, your SaaS growth rate, and the Twilio executive said, literally zero, no impact. And then he said, actually, if I'm being honest, the client experience has improved. And so, what's funny, there's this is funny on so many different levels. But uh, you know, the zero interest rate policy we've had for so long in this country has meant that capital allocation decisions by executives or anybody really, for that matter, in America for the last decade hasn't mattered. Meaning the more risk you took, you could add people to your payroll. None of it mattered. All that mattered was that stocks went up, asset prices went up, uh, and you could do what you wanted. And it didn't matter how much cash you burn, all that stuff. None of it mattered. And so payrolls got unbelievably bloated, especially in the tech sector. Uh, You know, you look at the payroll of Google, for example, they could probably cut their staff by 85 or 90 percent and it wouldn't change your experience on Google at all. Politically, it would be a disaster, right? Because they would say, wait a minute, you are essentially a monopoly. We're not going to let you keep monopoly status while you lay off 100,000 people. But the, the, the funny thing is, is that most of these tech companies, they are, especially if when you look at a Google or an Amazon or an Apple, they are make, their free cash flow is so unbelievably high that their payroll numbers are like laughable. And the other thing is like when you are these big tech companies and you're issuing like more than half of these companies' uh, compensation in your stocks, it doesn't cost you any actual cash. You're just issuing more shares and, and giving these people RSUs as a form of compensation. And so, um, you know, zero interest rate policy was bad on so many levels. Most Americans don't even understand uh, why it was so bad uh, because of the, what it rewarded. Um, and so hopefully in my lifetime, we don't go back to this ridiculous stance of like emergency everything all the time. And when you look at the market behavior so far in 2023, the market wholeheartedly believes that the Fed put exists, meaning if we get into trouble in the U.S. economy because of the debt ceiling raise or or they raise rates too high or whatever, that the Fed is going to back off and go back into full emergency mode. And that is the only explanation for why stocks have traded uh, where they have uh, in the face of a 500 basis point rate increase. I spoke with a friend recently that works at a company that's similar, similarly situated to Twilio and uh, an entirely remote worker. And she said, um, I get most of my work done within two and a half or three hours every day. And then the rest, she lives in Colorado and the rest of I just go biking or go skiing. And I said, but doesn't that worry you? And she's like, why would that worry me? Yeah, Josh, you idiot. <laughs> it was like this Josh. rhetorical question. <laughs> what are you, a baby boomer, Josh? God, <laughs> you don't understand how it works, Josh. I'm entitled to this job no matter what. And I was like, I know how much they pay you. <laughs> Come on, Josh. It's not, isn't it's not that 2003, like, man. Isn't that super concerning to you? <laughs> Would be to me. She, I know who I'd fire first. Uh, well, you know, and it's funny, they, they have, uh, now they are able to track if people are opening their computers or turning on their computers, and they are finding that uh, their employees aren't opening their laptops for weeks at a time. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. I would be going back to the office if I were all of you, but what do I know? Okay, so uh, ESG investing is something that's been all the rage for the last 18 or 24 months, and, uh, and so we thought we'd talk about there's – there's unfortunately some misdirected angst at ESG. Um, you're right to be upset about ESG investing, but not for the reasons that you think or many of the politicians say you should be. Uh, so first, Josh, explain what ESG is, and then we can explain the real actual problem with ESG. Well, an ESG is just an acronym that stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. No one actually really knows what that means, but uh, <laughs> you can throw that label on your fund, change the – color of your website to a light shade of green and uh, charge 
uh, five to ten times higher expense ratios if you're an asset manager. But what does ESG stand for? It stands for environmental, social, and governance. Um, the environmental side, that's climate change, uh, water efficiency, carbon intensity, et cetera. The social side is you know, the, the idea of equity, uh, human rights, customer, child labor, that kind of stuff. The governance side is uh, usually share structure, compliance, board independence, board composition, uh, meaning, you know, minor, toward minorities or women, whatever else. Uh, executive compensation can be a part of that. I'd say, like, the governance side is the one that, uh, you know, when you look at governance or sh dual shareholder structure specifically in the S&P 500, uh, Facebook comes to mind, of course. You know, Mark Zuckerberg's voting shares mean that functionally no other shareholder has a vote. He's emperor. That's the stuff that governance really, there's serious issues within governance. Well, governance is the most impactful to stock price. Totally. And, you know, the irony of the rest of the stuff is, uh, you know, ESG companies that tout their ESG credentials actually have worse compliance records for labor and environmental rules. And this is uh, all data courtesy of a uh, professor over at Stanford. But uh, ESG scores of companies that signed UN principles of investment didn't improve after they signed. Uh, companies usually, and this is a takeaway from the Stanford study, but they publicly embrace ESG as a cover for poor business performance. But uh, why we wanted to talk about it is there's so much ire directed at it, uh, directed towards ESG from, you know, especially the right side of the political spectrum. And uh, companies are going to be embracing ESG uh, from, a, you know, as that cover. But within the fund management industry, uh, it's so important for Wall Street because the takeaway really is just that. Wall Street's figured out a way to charge you as the investor a lot more for the same thing, which is really simplistic management. I mean, it's just an index. All it is is a bunch of computer weighting. So, you know, these ESG score providers create the score. Wall Street takes the score and then weights the fund according to the score. There's no actual stock selection going into this choice. It's really simplistic from Wall Street's perspective in actually constructing the indexes that the funds are based on. But the point is, is that they can charge you 400% more than what they're charging for a basic, uh, basic index fund. So Wall Street found a way to make a really simplistic investment really expensive for you, the end consumer, and they also found a way to do, do it well, making you feel good about making that capital allocation. And so uh, that... Genius. You know, Why didn't we think of that? It's a really great thing from the perspective of the asset management industry uh, because they can, you know, we can fight fee compression while you feel good about getting fleeced. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much fee compression, rightfully so, in, in our industry. Uh, but the funny, what Josh is essentially talking about is if we, if we showed you a supposed ESG fund net holdings, all the holdings in an ESG fund, and we compared it just to a basic index fund, the overlap would be astounding in how many holdings are similar. They're almost identical, but like Josh said, they just charge you four or five or six or even eight times the amount for this almost the same exact fund, but the label's different. And so that's the real where the real IRS should be directed. Uh, you know, and the other thing, we're not against, you can invest your money how you want. We're not against that. We feel like people should do that. But ultimately, if you want to impact change, it's more where you spend your dollars on a daily basis than when you're where you're investing your money. Because right now, ESG is not accomplishing what you think it is um, and ultimately you know the the company the the companies or where we're going to find solutions uh, to the problems in, around the global globe are going to come from the companies that you're taking money away from. So green energy is going to be solved by companies like ExxonMobil, and that's ESG takes money away from those companies. It just none of it makes any sense. But again, when you try to let take the free market out of the equation, bad things happen. All right. If you'd like to be part of the program, question or comment, call us 877-670-7117. Or you can always email us by going to our website, northwestquadrantwall.com. When we come back, we're going to tackle some of your emails, so stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com.
most news, the most traffic, the most weather. FM 100.1 is News Talk 1110, KBND, Bend. Get ready, Central Oregon. The days are getting longer and fishing season is upon us. Ben and Fire Fly Shop is booking guided fly fishing trips on the Lower Deschutes River. Don't hesitate to book as trips are filling fast and the opener is April 22nd. Experience a full day floating the scenic Deschutes River and fishing for amazing Deschutes red sides. There's no better way to spend the day. If you're new to the sport, swing into the shop and speak with our expert staff to get pointed in the right direction. We have brands like Sims, Patagonia, Sage, G. Loomis, and Orvis to make you successful on the water and don't forget with spring in the air it's time to knock the dust off that grill Finn and fire has new trigger models in stock and grilling has never been hotter not only can we fish but we love impressing our families and friends at the dinner table so swing into the shop and take advantage of our full line of trigger grills and accessories and be the hero with your family and friends come visit us and grab a beer we are across from safeway on highway 97 in redmond or shop with us anytime at finnandfire.com Since 1999, Auto Network Group, ANG and Bend, has been delivering on the American promise of driving excitement. Hi, Fred Johnson here. Auto Network Group buyers scour the market selecting only the best of the best. Cars, trucks, SUVs, vans, and top-of-the-line RVs. They have the brands you can trust. Let Auto Network Group match your active Central Oregon lifestyle with the perfect vehicle for things you love to do. The buying experience at ANG is streamlined. Apply online, get pre-approved financing, select your new late model car, truck, SUV, or RV. And in three easy steps, you can be driving something new. They take pride in their 100% positive feedback rating. Go to angben.com to see their big inventory and see what other satisfied customers have to say. Or stop in today at Auto Network Group, just behind Target on Robo Lane and Bend. Auto Network Group, delivering driving excitement. Hello, hello. This is Christy from the Cosmic Depot. I am here today to ask, why wait? Why wait to get your camping and festival gear all tuned up and ready to go? Check out your fun provision stash today and see what needs a fill up. You got incense, friend? Cosmic Depot does. Is that tapestry looking a little fraught? The Cosmic Depot has a rainbow of beautiful cotton tapestries waiting to join your party. Come on into the Cosmic Depot and spice up your spring and summer fun to come. Find a cute new frock or a signature scent, a sparkling new pendant and matching earrings. Get a mini peace flag to state your intent and put your boogie face forward, ready to greet your days when you shop at Cosmic Depot. At the Cosmic Depot, we celebrate you dancing life in your special way and embracing your tune seven days a week from 10 to 6 at 342 Northeast Clay and Bend. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war in the term life industry. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man aged 45 non-smoker can get a million dollars of coverage for $75 per month. Level rate for 10 years. Or a man aged 50 non-smoker can obtain $500,000 of coverage for a monthly premium of $110. Level rate for 20 years. That's right. Guaranteed level rate for 20 years. If you're a smoker, we have great rates available for you as well. At Term Busters, we specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for a new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote. 800-786-9161. You're probably paying more than you should. Call 1-800-786-9161. Remember, 1-800-786-9161. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-smoker rate class. Exam required to qualify. The mission is clear. Give honest, transparent analysis and actionable advice every week. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube and get our twice-monthly e-newsletter. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. We appreciate you spending some of your beautiful spring weekend uh, listening to us on the radio. Um, so we talk about this all the time, and maybe you think we're idiots, and that's fine. We'll we'll make money while you think we're idiots. But uh you know, small cap stocks, the valuation relative to large cap, specifically the S&P 500, uh, 
Small cap stocks are the cheapest they've ever been on a relative basis. Looking at all, if you look at trailing PE, if you look at normalized PE, if you look at cash flow, if you look at price to sales, you look at price to book, all the different ways you can measure uh, how expensive uh, an asset class is, small cap stocks relative to large cap are are at an all-time low. And so historically, when you've bought small caps at periods like this, they have trounced almost every other asset class, but specifically large cap in this case. And so you don't have to believe us. We're just, we just, uh, you know, history generally rhymes or, you know, repeats itself, especially when you're talking about valuations. And, you know, there's, I understand why people want to own names like Apple and, and Microsoft, but they are expensive. I mean, Apple and Microsoft trade at 35 times earnings. And when rates were zero, you could trade at 35 times earnings, but when rates go to normalized levels, five or six percent, thirty-five times earnings in a slowing economy is expensive. Uh, and small caps, when you look at them again relative to large cap, it's sort of one of these no-brainer times to be adding to, to small cap. And we bring it up and on the show all the time because when Josh and I do our free retirement reviews, when we look at your portfolios, you listening to us right now, you have no specific small cap exposure. Nobody has said you're going to have ten, fifteen, twenty percent of your portfolio in small cap stocks. You just don't have it. And it's an asset class right now that looks really good. It's an asset class to own all the small time. Small caps, still, and, even today, small caps over the trailing three years are beating the S&P by over 4% annualized. Small cap value close to 5% annualized uh, over the last three years. And you know we believe we're in the very, very early innings of that small cap rotation. Uh, and you know, 2023 has been a little bit of a discrepancy, and that there's been so much flowing to the big tech trade, and the you know, are centered around the recessionary concerns. And but those companies, from a valuation standpoint, uh, are re- ludicrously expensive. Interest of full disclosure, I uh, have by far my largest allocation is to small cap stocks, and it's not going to change. And it's not just periods like this. If you look at going back. Over my over an investing lifetime, small caps beat large cap by about two percent. All right, let's tackle some email questions. This comes from Brian. My wife and I are in our late forties, so am I, Brian, and have always been max savers. We have reached the point where four percent of our net assets exceed our annual pay from our current jobs, net of what we currently contribute to our retirement accounts. I feel that we are at a point where we could both quit our jobs, and if we wanted to, be but. If we wanted to, but generally we like what we do and probably keep working. Uh, we each have $600,000 in level term life insurance policies that we pay $60 a month toward. I have a long-term disability policy with a 3000 monthly benefit that I'm paying 600 a year in cost to increase. And the cost increases with age. Question is, do you approve of us canceling these policies and putting this money back in our lives since we no longer need them for a replacement of income? And do you approve of us gradually phasing out our retirement contributions so we can start to, quote, live a little? Uh, so, Brian, Brian these, this reminds me of those people that do that fire thing, which is like save, you know, forgo any fun thing in life and save as much money as you can to retire early. Uh, but then when you retire, you're like scared to death that you're going to run out of money. So you don't spend any money then. So Brian, the first thing I'll tell you in doing this job, uh, you know, you only get one life and you don't know when it's going to come to an end. And so, um, some of you, I, I'm not against saving obviously, but to like get, you know, Brian, you're never going to be 47 or eight or nine again. And so if I said to you, Brian, Let's break the rest of your life up into five-year increments and then ask you which five are going to be the best. It's going to be the next five, Brian. And so, you know, when you're 85, who cares flying you-know-what if you have $50 million? Like, you're going to be sitting on the couch just like every other 85-year-old. So it's not – this is it. This is your one shot. And so – you should be living a little anyway. Like you, you should keep working. And the idea that you're going to retire, bef- you know, before sixty, it, to me, doesn't make much sense because you could potentially live another thirty-five or forty years. And so, being retired for half your life, you know, you you don't have. There's a lot of reasons not to do that. So, um, you don't need the life insurance, and you don't need the long-term care insurance. So you can, yes, definitely get rid of those. Um, and if that, if getting rid of those uh, allows you to live a little, as you, as you said, then definitely do that. But I would also maybe even curb some of the saving that you're doing to live a little, because Brian, you know, 
I, I promise you Rome is more fun at 48 than 68. I just, pr- I just promise that that's true uh, because, <laughs> you know, I've, I've done it. So I, I haven't done it at 68, but I've, I mean, I've done it at 46. So, it, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things. And, you know, Josh and I, um, we, we meet with our, our clients and some of our biggest clients, meaning biggest and that have the most assets, and they don't spend money and they never, never did spend any money. And then they end up, you know, going into long-term care facility or they lose their faculties and it's just so sad for us because they they never enjoyed their life and so this is it man Uh, brian this is it and everybody out there listening like you the one thing that we promise all our clients is they can't take any of their money with them and so you know i I know i probably didn't address directly your question but hopefully i I addressed a much bigger issue for you brian and that you know you i promise you brian when you die you're not going to wish you had more money in your brokerage account not a single one of our clients has ever said that they all talk about they wish they had more experiences and more time. The one thing, whether you're Bill Gates uh, or the guy on the street corner, uh, you know, panhandling, we all have the same, you know, time is the one commodity that you can't buy more of. And so, uh, you know, hopefully that changes your behavior a little bit. This comes from Tim, but I don't think it's Tim, our producer. Uh, It seems like everywhere I look, I see articles extolling the virtues of Roth conversions, but I just don't get why anyone would deliberately pay taxes now when they don't have to. Do you guys think conversions are really a good idea? Uh, they are a good idea in certain circumstances. Uh, we talked about sort of the less attractive value of uh, inherited IRAs, inherited traditional IRAs these days, uh, particularly for people that have pretty prolific balances, don't have a lot of financial security concerns, uh, and their beneficiaries, most, you know, usually their kids, are relatively high earners. A traditional IRA is not an asset that they're going to appreciate inheriting. For So people in those circumstances... Well, they're appreciated, just not as much. Yeah, not as much. And of course, you know, if they are already high earners, <coughs> uh, that additional ordinary income that... And if you believe what I believe, which is that uh, as baby bo- the mass of baby boomers gets closer to uh, the end of their life expectancy, we'll get some version of another change in the rules, which will make inheriting traditional IRAs even less attractive than it already is and compress that window even uh, into a smaller amount of time. It's now 10 years. It conceivably will be even less. Uh, Roth conversions are something that should be potentially attractive to you. Uh, If you... You know, if you have the money in a taxable account to pay the tax liability, uh, do the conversion internally and pay the tax liability with money that you held outside. So if you're converting, say, 10000 from a traditional IRA to a Roth, pay the tax liability out of uh, your checking account or out of your taxable account and let the money that emerges in the Roth be the same 10000 that you converted from the traditional IRA. Tim, one of the things that's quite funny to me about the financial services advice business is that um, we try to uh, add value. Like we, we were always looking desperately f- for ways to add value. And, and you know, we, we make it seem like, Tim, that doing this Roth conversion will like change your life or change somebody else's life. And the reality is it's not true. I mean, it's like all of this stuff is on the margins and really it, it won't make a, much of a difference meaningful difference in anybody's life whether you do it or not and so we we act though in our business and and cpas and financial advisors and all you know and when you read these articles it makes it seem like these are like no-brainer decisions that will have huge material impact on our lives <laughs> and none of that's true and you know believe me we sit here and we see it all the time your kids are going to save 30 percent of the tax liability but they're not going to you're not going to be around for them to yeah thank you. and you know this is all as troy used to famously say uh, a lot of times this stuff is a confusing activity with accomplishment and the, our, our business, the financial advice business is very good at doing that in an attempt to, to add so-called value. Uh, but it's a lot of BS if you ask me. All right. If you'd like to take us up on a free retirement review, either Josh or I will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call the office 800 743 0988 or email us at northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let us know you'd like a free retirement view. When we come back, we'll tackle some more emails, so stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. 
Again, 800-743-0988. Every job has a unique set of tools. One tool all jobs need is workers' comp, providing protection for workers and employers if there's an injury. SAFE is Oregon's leader in workers' comp. We have the largest network of workplace safety professionals in the industry to help reduce injuries, and we strive to make Oregon the safest and healthiest place to work. A commitment to safety. That's workers' comp that really works. Learn more at SAIF.com. About 100 years ago, Ben started up as a lumber town with mostly small wooden homes built to shelter the mill workers. Today, it's a bustling city of startups and established businesses with a tremendous variety of homes built to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle. For more than a half of that century, Duke Warner Realty has been here to help people buy and sell those homes. Family owned and operated since 1967, Duke Warner has a team of brokers who know the community and the market inside out. With many decades of expertise in the central Oregon area, we're your friends and neighbors who believe that combining old-fashioned hard work with the newest technologies gives you the competitive edge. We'll walk you through the listings, the comps, the offers, the counteroffers, the inspections, the escrow, the clear closing we'll even walk you through the walkthrough until finally the celebration so if you're ready to move now or any time in the next hundred years contact duke warner realty because when it comes to real estate you can't fake experience you work hard driving the road earning every dime and you do not have time for interruptions if you break down in the Portland area or need great service, call Ultimate Truck Service first. At Exit 9 in Ridgefield, they'll keep any diesel truck or diesel pusher road ready. Air conditioning, brakes, you name it. In an emergency, Ultimate Truck Service will come to you within 25 miles. Or have your tow driver take you. Call or go online. Ultimate Truck Services, they keep you rolling. adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy now there's sky rizzy risen kizumab rizza a prescription only 150 milligram injection with sky rizzy three out of four people achieve 90 percent clear skin at four months and sky rizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses nothing in me go hand in hand nothing on my skin that's my new plan Don't use if allergic to Skyrizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With Skyrizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic and psoriasis and visit skyrizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRIZZY to learn more. Trex Transcend Lineage Decking from Building Solutions reflects the sun and your sense of style. Designed with heat-mitigating technology, it's literally Trex's coolest decking yet. Stop in on Trex Wednesdays and let your local Trexperts help you plan your new Trex deck. Purchase your new Trex deck on Trex Wednesdays and receive free hidden fasteners, plus free delivery on Friday. Every Wednesday is Trex Wednesday, only at Building Solutions in Bend and BuildingSolutionsBend.com. Trex Lineage and Building Solutions, literally cooler. your free retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Call us today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. If you'd like to be added to our e-newsletter list, Josh and I do a uh, short five or six minute video in the middle and end of every month we talk about what's going on in the capital markets and especially how it relates to our clients' money, and then we send those out via emails. It's a short video you can watch at your leisure. Uh, so if you want to get added to that list, go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Send us an email. Just say add me to your e-newsletter list. So uh, this is pretty funny. And, you know, 
when you think about the idea that the Fed might be cutting, the Fed is not going to cut rates with 5% core inflation. It's just not going to happen um, because the Fed knows that if they were to start – I mean even pausing might be dangerous at this point because you know, as soon as the market believes that they're going to pause and or cut – It'll go back to the roaring 2021s again, right? Where like people are spending money like drunken sailors, and that in itself is very inflationary. So inflation, instead of going from five to four to three, will go back to six to seven percent, and then the Fed has to, you know, go at it again and be more aggressive and do 100 basis point rakes like they did in the early 80s. And the Fed studied what happened with Paul Volcker. Uh, in the early 80s when they paused, and they know the consequence of that. And so remember, it's about what happens in the perception of the consumer uh, and business owners and investors when they think that we're going to be, you know, have lower range-bound rates. That mean asset prices can go higher and bad behavior can happen again. When I say bad, I mean risky behavior. And that in and itself is inflationary. So the idea that the Fed's going to cut rates, which the market thinks. I mean, the market, both the stock and the bond market, are full send on the market. The most, rates being the lower most at the important end of the year. thing from the last Fed press conference was trying to change uh, June hike expectations and trying to make it, I think, trying to create more of an equilibrium there and take the market away from the idea that we were at the last cut or at the last raise. I mean, that's that was their intention fully in my in my estimation. Yeah, we'll see. It's gonna The Fed is going to have some tough decisions here in the coming months. Uh, you know, when I say coming months, I mean for the next 12 months. It's going to be really tough because the Fed has to just block out the noise of the capital markets and do what's right for the economy, the whole economy. Remember, it's the stock market is a relatively small group of people that own stocks in America. All right, this email comes from Gerald. Uh, Gerald says, I'm afraid of the stock market. With my first investment, I lost 60% of my money, so I'm strictly in bonds. With interest rates low, what's your advice? Should I stay or try something else? Uh, well, I, for, you know, this is one of those, like, I don't know anything about you, Gerald. And, and you know, what, what did you invest in that you lost 60% of your money is, is always a question. Uh, you're looking at this completely wrong, Gerald. It's not like this binary decision about certain – it's about building a portfolio – uh, that is appropriate for you and your life circumstances. So we never say you should be making investment decisions based on what markets are doing. You should be making investment decisions based on your life circumstances. Because guess what, Gerald? For the most part, that's the only thing you can control. You can't control the stock market. We know over time, stocks go up, right? If you go, if you look at the stock market over longer periods of time, stocks go up because they are a proxy for what? Earnings, right? And so as companies grow earnings, over time, that makes the company worth more money, whether it's in the stock market or not. And so you know that to be true, Gerald. Like if you, you know, you've looked, you've been going to Costco for the last 20 years. You know that company has become more valuable over the last 20 years, whether it was a publicly traded stock or not. And so, you know, it, you can't be thinking about it in terms of in buying individual stocks. That's your first problem. You need to be thinking about it. Okay, I need to build an asset allocation that might have some stocks and some bonds and owning the right stocks and the right bonds, and you should be doing it through indexes, right? Because we know over time you want to be participating in the American economy, and you can do that really easily through a low-cost, high-quality index fund. So, Gerald, you got to take a step back and think about how you're you're investing because your your approach is, is wrong, and I'm sorry to say that, but it just is. Uh, we got an email from Gary. Uh, I have I currently have approximately 225,000 invested in the stock market. Most of that's in conservative stocks and bonds. Do you have an opinion about staying the course or liquidating all of a portion for a few uh, months or years during the next crisis? Uh, I'm not sure we're getting these questions, but no. I mean, I, do I have an opinion? So first of all, you said you have 20, 225,000 invested in the stock market, but then you said conservative stocks and bonds. So hopefully you know that those two things are different. Bond market, stock market is different. Um, you know, this is one of those, uh, like like investing is a binary decision where you think you can time the market based on some future event that may or may not happen. And again, um, the stock market is a proxy for earnings. And so I always say to our clients that are worried about the the next crisis du jour, uh, do you believe great businesses in this country and around the world will make more money in three years, five years, and 10 years? And most people say yes. And I say, well, then you want to 
have exposure to that and you can do that through the stock market and so instead of trying to pick the winners and the losers just buy a low-cost index fund because you will get exposure to the the great american engine that is uh the and and you can get that through the stock market so again people get focused on markets right they get focused on the stock market the bond market and really those things are only there to serve us, right? They are there to serve us from a pricing me uh, mechanism where we need, if we need liquidity, we can go to the stock market. And the stock market is bipolar in short periods of time, right? It's a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine in the long term. It weighs earnings over long periods of time. But human beings, are we're irrational creatures, and when it comes to our money, we become even more irrational, especially men. Uh, and we do things that don't make any sense in the short term. As, as the famous saying goes, Josh brought this up, Americans love sales, except for when it comes to stocks. We never like to buy stocks when they're 20 or 25% cheaper. We like to buy stocks when they're going up. It makes no sense. It's true of houses. It's true of stocks. It's true of whatever. Uh, but if you go to the department store and you want to buy something, a suit or shoes or whatever, you want, you want to buy it 25% off, why would that be different in stocks? If you're buying shoes, that's a depreciating asset. If you're buying sh shares of great American businesses, those are appreciating assets over time. Why wouldn't you want to buy them on sale? That makes no sense to us. Uh, but if you listen to the talking heads, you know, you always are going to sound smarter if you're bearish. If you're pessimistic about the future, especially for stocks, you're always going to sound smarter. But the longer time period you give me, the more sure I am that stocks are going to do well. I don't know what's going to happen in the stock market in the next 12 months or six months. Neither does Josh. Neither does my dog. Nobody does, right, is the point. But if you invest and you're truly investing. I mean, I, I, Gary, I would guess you own your house and that's appreciated over time. But there's been periods when you've owned your house where it's declined significantly in value. And Gary, did you sell it because of that? Of course not. So why would you sell shares of great American businesses? Remember, the difference between your house and those great American businesses, those great American businesses are paying you a dividend and you're buying more shares of those great American businesses so that when eventually stocks go higher, you're going to have even more shares. Remember, the stock market is a great, unbelievably great release of wealth and uh, wealth, you know, creation. So that's going to be true in the future. All right, that's our show this week. Remember, buy low, sell high. We'll see you next week. listening to partners of Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management on the radio show Financial Focus. Remember, you can email or call with your questions anytime during the week. Visit northwestquadrantwealth.com for more information. See you next week on Financial Focus. Any opinions expressed herein are given in good faith and are subject to change without notice and are only correct at the stated date of issue. Past performance is not always indicative of future results. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Securities, financial instruments, or strategies mentioned may not be suitable for all investors. Prices, values, or income from an investment mentioned in this report may fall against the interest of the investor, and the investor may get back less than the amount invested. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as a recommendation of particular securities, financial instruments, or strategies to you. Before acting on any recommendation on this material, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice.